0: Thank you for listening to Navigating Now. Please be aware that this episode discusses relationships and issues which may be difficult or upsetting for some listeners. So please do take care while listening.
1: This is Navigating Now, the podcast to help find answers to the big questions we have about life. Hello again. Previously on Navigating Now, we explored the environment. Gracie, Rob, and Katrina navigated us through questions like How can we deal with climate anxiety? and How do we convince people that they should care about the environment? And we heard advice from special guests such as Chris Packham and Lillian Paul, as well as advice from all across the UK. At the end of the last episode, Rob left us with an audio diary where he shared his experience of trying out some of the advice about managing climate anxiety. Let's check back in now and hear how Rob has progressed this week with his bit of advice.
0: I've just been trying to employ a sort of very positive mindset and remember what I am doing. So I've been trying to sort of take Chris's advice about remembering those things that help you go in the right direction. So I do recycle. I don't own a car. I don't get too many new clothes. I think it's helpful to remember these things to really help yourself out when you're feeling like you're not doing enough. It's actually been really useful to think of some of these things because everyone's doing something. And of course, there's going to be days where you feel like you could be doing more. But these days when you you feel like that, just remember the small things. And it really has helped me actually over the last few weeks to really start, start thinking like that. And it's definitely something I'm going to be taking going forwards.
1: Thanks for sharing, Rob. It's encouraging to hear that small steps can feel like they are enough when trying to contribute to such a big issue. With all the advice throughout the episode so far, I hope it's motivating you at home to take action as well. But let's shift our focus now, as, you've guessed it, we have another big topic to discuss in this episode. Today, we're going to be navigating relationships. Relationships are, in essence how we relate to the world, and navigating them isn't always easy. It's not just about our relationships with other people either. We can have relationships with things like food and money. So today, with our hosts, Carolina, Lucy and Craig, we're going to be digging into three questions about relationships and how they relate to different areas of life.
2: Hi, I'm Carolina, I'm 19, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm currently living in Edinburgh, Scotland. Hi, my name is Lucy. My pronouns are she,
3: her. I'm 23 years old and I'm currently living in Llanelli, South Wales.
0: So I'm Craig. My pronouns are he, him. I'm 21 and I'm from Berkshire. So
1: we know that there are many ways to interpret relationships. But are we given the right tools to navigate all the different kinds of relationships that we might have in life? Let's see what Lucy thinks first.
3: I think there are a lot of tools for all the different types of relationships we might encounter, but I don't think they're always accessible. They're not necessarily given to us, so we're not necessarily educated on them firsthand. A lot of the time we have to go out of our way to find those tools and find those sources and educate ourselves, which with something like relationships, in whichever way you interpret it, can be quite difficult. What do you think about that, Craig?
0: You haven't relationships with people that you might not necessarily you know, want to be with you know where you've got your bosses at work or people that you might you know, have to do group projects and stuff with each other but you've then got to have a relationship you know, a civil relationships then be able to to work and build um you know within the same team and all that sort of stuff so i think you know, it's not always blood it's not always who the people that you choose but i think we're then given so many different relationships in everyday life to then be able to to deal with and whatnot but um carolina what are your thoughts
2: I think we learn about how to navigate a relationship from our parents or from what we see, how we see others interact with each other. So the way we navigate our relationships depends on each person and it's different to each person.
1: Time for our first question. Question one. How do you know when a friendship is no longer good for you? And what are the options if you decide that it's not the right thing to still be friends? This is quite a tricky question. How about we get stuck in with the advice? First up, we have a special guest, TV presenter and broadcaster, Anna Richardson. Hello, I'm
4: Anna Richardson and I am a TV presenter and a broadcaster. So I very much believe in that old phrase when it comes to friendships about friends are there for a season, a reason or a lifetime. And just think about that for a second. So if friends are there for a season, it might be that Perhaps you've gone on holiday and you've met an amazing bunch of people. You've had the best time for the two weeks that you're away. But then you just slowly drift away from those people once you get back home. So that's that's the season side of friends. Then you've got friends are there for a reason. So maybe it's that you've known somebody since you were a kid and you've confided in each other, you've grown up together, you've got all of that shared experience behind you. And then, of course, you've got the friend's who are there for a lifetime and those are the people that maybe you've met through work or school or through where you've grown up but they've always been through those difficult bumps in life with you and they become the mates for life and the key here is just to accept the fact that some friends aren't always going to be on your life's journey and that's okay, you'll know who the ones are that will be there for your life but it's okay to also shed some on the way because they're just not meant to be with you all of the time. So just remember that phrase. They're there for a season, a reason, or a lifetime.
0: Well, wow, that's an excellent piece of advice there. Lucy, what are your thoughts and the key points on that?
3: It really stands out to me how she was able to condense it down into a season, a reason, or a lifetime. I've never thought of it like that before. And it makes it so much easier to accept those friendships ending, um, you know, it wasn't a waste. It was a lesson. And I think there's something quite lovely about that because, you know, in order to enjoy the life you have, you can't hate the experiences that have shaped you. And I think moving on from friendships and seeing them as a lesson or a reason is a really good way to um, establish that feeling within yourself. What about you, Carolina? What's your thoughts on all of that?
2: Yes, I agree. I think the fact that not all friends are lifetime friends, and some of them are the season or reason, uh, I think that's a good point to realize, and to establish that maybe, and that will make it easier to know uh, when you're having when you have a friendship.
0: I completely agree, and I think that I, I'm, I'm big on fate and everything happening for a reason. Really, in that sense, where you know people that are there just for you know a, a season or a reason. I think it's also knowing that that's okay, you know, not getting caught up on losing out on that friendship or relationship um, and being able to move forward.
1: A season, a reason or a lifetime. Thanks for this easy to remember advice, Anna. That's another one for my notebook. We've also received a voice note in response to this question on friendship from Emily, a member of our podcast group.
5: Hi, my name is Emily. I'm 20 years old and I'm from Bristol. So my advice to this question is, Sometimes it is obvious when a friend is no longer serving you. This may be when a friendship is consistently one-sided, you aren't being treated with respect, or they have betrayed your trust. However, some friendships may just change over time, and that's okay. You may just drift away from them, and that is perfectly normal as we get older. We change as people, and so do the things we love as well as our aspirations. Making sure to question when you start to feel uncomfortable or are perhaps withholding information, or lack communication with this person, these can be initial signs that the friendship is perhaps unhealthy or needs some work. No friendship is perfect, but there are some things a friend should do, and that is respect your boundaries, and you should respect theirs. Communication is always really important, so if you're starting to feel uncomfortable or feeling like you're not being listened to, do communicate this, and if your friend then responds, that means that they should still have a place in your life.
0: I think it's very interesting in terms of saying about how friendships can be one-sided and I think it's it can be quite difficult to recognize that in certain situations where you know you might be the only person that's reaching out. So I think it takes a a certain level of of time and repetition to be able to see that and understand that uh, and be able to recognize and call people out on it. I understand it's difficult to do, especially if it is a closer friend, but it might then serve you better in the long term if you then tackle that friendship right there and then.
3: Yeah, I agree with what you said about how, you know, it's important to pinpoint the things that serve you well, because at the end of the day, It's a long life and you don't want to be spending it in situations where you don't feel like you can be yourself or you're feeling uncomfortable or unsafe. I do really admire, though, how Emily said it's important to do it with kindness and have those conversations, even though they're difficult, but do it in a gentle manner because friendships end in all different ways. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that person's a bad person. They're just not compatible to where you are in life right now. And it comes to that idea of, I don't want you to sit at my table, but I still want to see you eat. You know, we might not be friends. We might not be going over each other's houses every day, but I don't wish bad upon you. And yeah, friendships end in difficult. Those conversations going to be difficult, but you're still good people. You're still going to grow from it.
2: Yes, I agree with both of you. I think I liked how Emily said that no friendship is perfect and that it's important that we respect each other's boundaries The communication is the key. And if we see that the communication is breaking, then we can consider if this friendship is still good or if it's not longer good enough for us.
1: Friendships can sometimes get complicated, can't they? Checking in with our feelings sounds like a great start. It's often said that we get to choose our friends, but not our family. And our next question is all about family. So question two. What are the ways you can build healthy boundaries and relationships with your family? Emma from our podcast group has sent in a voice note in response to this question.
3: My name's Emma, I'm from Surrey and I'm 24 years old. I feel that the one main thing is just being open with your family, telling them how you feel, what your thoughts are, what you're what you're feeling, and because at the end of the day, nothing will change unless you make a change to tell people how you feel cuz i suppose that brings them into the picture of what things are like for you i agree with what she says about how unless you make a point of telling people about the change that they need to make to you know be in line with your boundaries they're not going to know and that's not their fault when they might accidentally cross that boundary for example everyone in my family knows I don't watch the news. The news makes me feel really anxious and really scared and like I can't do anything to help. So if I'm over my sister's house and the news comes on, she turns it off and I don't need to explain how I'm feeling. It's because I've told her I don't like watching the news. So she knows to respect that boundary. She changes the channel and it's so simple and it's such a weight lifted off your shoulder.
0: Yeah, I think that some people then think that by opening up to your family about things that you are then going through, you might feel as a burden, but in fact, by sharing that load, you're actually then releasing weight off of your own shoulders to then be able to develop in, in the long term. But Carolina, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I agree with both of you. I think for me, I'm pretty open with my family and now living abroad, my family knows my boundaries, so it's easier to communicate, especially if it's online. I think what's good as well about talking to your family is you allow them to tell you
3: about boundaries they want, want to put in place because, you know, it's not all about us at the end of the day and it's nice to open up that conversation allow space for other people to say, while we're on this topic of conversation, I'd actually like to stop this or start doing that. And, you know, conversations can just grow from there. Well,
0: yeah, and it's having that confidence to do so. In those environments where you then feel empowered to be able to have those conversations really is a level we can then get to and hopefully ones that More people can feel comfortable within.
1: Everybody's family setup is different. While communicating boundaries could be key to harmonious relationships, what about if you're finding yourself navigating a situation where you're responsible for managing the emotions of multiple people? Anna Richardson's back with some advice on how to maintain healthy boundaries when there are multiple people involved. If you find
4: yourself getting caught up in difficult situations or dramas, with members of your family or maybe your friendship groups, I want you to think about this. Picture in your head a triangle. And with the point at the top, I want you to put the word victim. And the bottom left point of the triangle, I want you to put perpetrator. And the bottom right of the triangle, put the word rescuer. And then draw an arrow going all the way around that triangle. And just think about the different role that you might take within any different dynamic within your family or your friendship group. Because rest assured, there will be situations where you become the victim and then you blame somebody else who's the perpetrator and then somebody else comes into that drama and they're the rescuer. And by the way, those roles can interchange. But the way to manage those relationships is to exit out of the drama triangle. So first of all, just think about the role that you play and how you can exit that drama triangle.
3: Yeah, there was a lot of stuff to dissect in that. Um, Gosh, I think a big part of growing up especially into adolescence you know as you're starting to navigate your own independent life is realising that you're not always right and sometimes you have done things wrong and you have done things that might hurt other people whether you intended to or not the outcome was someone got hurt and you don't get to decide that they didn't so visualising this as sort of a drama triangle and understanding your role within that can change it doesn't excuse your behavior, but it helps you understand and understand that there is a way out. I really like that she's put a positive side in it, you know, not blaming yourself and not blaming other people, but instead finding a way to put an end to the tension and the
2: negative sides
3: of these relationships.
2: Yes, I like how she talks about establishing a role in the friendship and how the role can change depending on who comes into that friendship, who comes to be the savior. So I really like this kind of point of view so not only the boundaries but establishing the role and looking what's your role in that friendship
0: yeah I think it's quite interesting to then think you know, you may not even know your exact role in that triangle necessarily people might think that you're one role and you're in fact another so you know, it's trying to then maybe see that situation from a different pair of eyes, try and remove yourself from that situation, at least initially, to see exactly the role that you have within that. And then, as she's then said towards the end, in terms of then exiting that triangle might then be the best route forward.
1: We've dug into two of the biggies when it comes to navigating relationships, friends and family, and I think we've uncovered some really useful stuff. Now, onto our third and final question on navigating relationships. We've covered friends and we've
3: covered family, but what about romantic relationships? These can be really lovely, but also very complicated too. So this is what our next question is about. Does experiencing teenage love affect your love life in the long term?
1: The first bit of advice in response to this question is from podcaster and author Kate Ferdinand. I personally think that all relationships you have as a young person affect
3: how you have relationships when you grow older. So whether that be with your siblings, your parents, a partner, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, they all affect how we learn to treat each other and love each other. So they have a huge impact. And, you know, we all want to pick carefully and pick the perfect person, but sometimes it's not reality. So just around those times, if you end up, you know, not in the best relationship or with a broken heart, just know that it's not your reality forever. And we have to go through these experiences and these experiences shape us. And we learn so much from every relationship. So whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, there's always something positive that comes from it, whether that's learning about yourself or learning about what you need or what you want from someone
4: moving forward.
3: So we've just heard from Kate there. I'm wondering what you think of what she had
2: to say, Carolina. I really liked how she talked about that not every relationship will be positive, but that doesn't mean that we cannot learn from it. And she also said that everything that we experience will affect us. So even if it's good or bad, there's still good learning that we can take from it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, as she said, really in terms of how different each love experience is with different people and whatnot. And she's obviously mentioned about, broken hearts and i think that that's a very interesting topic where people that then have gone through breakups so early on in their you know, love love life in that sense you know how they then use that to bounce back there have been times where probably i have been heartbroken in bits and pieces but i then think that they've been the times where i've then learned the most about myself and been able to then um, progress a lot faster and and all that sort of stuff and get into a much much better place as a result of going through those lows then get back up to those highs
3: It really stood out to me how she said all relationships affect us and not just talking about the romantic ones, you know, for a lot of us, our first experiences of any kind of relationship is with our parents and then it's perhaps siblings and then it's our wider family. Those are our first experiences of love, of friendship, of, you know, respect and boundaries that it can be quite hard hitting when you venture out into the world at whatever age and you notice other families don't look like yours, you know. Perhaps you have a friend who was brought up by their grandparents, a friend who has two mums, a friend who was brought up by a sibling, has no siblings, you know, has a lot of money, doesn't have a lot of money. Understanding that no family looks the same, no relationship looks the same is important and, you know, enriches us and helps us to understand what it's like to be somebody else. So I really like how she reminds us to learn from the pain, learn from the good and just become better people for it.
1: And on to our next bit of advice for this question. Special guest, Paul Carrick Brunson, is here to help.
6: My name is Paul Carrick Brunson. I am a professional matchmaker. I'm also a television host, and I host shows like Married at First Sight and Celebs Go Dating. And morning shows, I do contributions around relationships. But the bottom line is I'm passionate about love and relationships. And I understand that the higher quality of relationships we have in life means the higher quality of life we have. Having love as a teenager absolutely impacts your life, right? And this is very important to know, and most people don't know this. And here's the reason why, is because there's healthy love and then there's toxic love. And when you have toxic love, an unhealthy love, what it does is it teaches you to then recognize love in a unhealthy and toxic way so this is the reason why when you are a teenager it's important to have healthy love and if you don't feel like the love is healthy it's important to end it immediately because you are being taught by that love so remember you always want to search for healthy love and when it's not healthy kick him to the curb
3: i think what paul had to say there was spot on um understanding what toxic love can look like i also found it interesting how he had the phrase of having love not focusing on being in love or having someone in love with you but just being surrounded with love in whatever form and
2: how that can be shown in different ways um carolina what do you have to say on that yeah i agree with you on that i think It's good to know that something like toxic love exists because when we say love, we mostly think about healthy love. So it's good to know that toxic love exists and if it's there, we should get out of that relationship and look for a healthy one.
0: It's interesting that he's made this distinct difference between the two, but some people may not be able to make that distinction so he's he's made this seem very sort of black and white there's healthy and there's toxic but you know i think there's so many shades of gray in this environment where and there's so many different factors where people then may not be able to see the difference um, themselves
1: a final bit of advice comes from anna richardson without question in my opinion the way you experience
4: teenage love affects your love life in the long term and will colour how you go on to view relationships as you grow up which is why I guess in my opinion it's so important that you choose well when you're young the person that you choose to share those very very special intimate moments with because you know what it counts and it will go on to colour who you are as you grow up choose carefully.
3: We just heard some advice from Anna Richardson where she's telling us to choose carefully. I'm interested to see what you have to say on that, Craig.
0: I feel like love can be very blind at times where you feel you fall in love with someone very early on and you then don't know their deeper personality. But you're sort of then chasing that figure, that look, whatever that might be, whatever the first thing that caught your eye might have been. It's then very hard to be able to choose carefully if you're so attracted to that that first thing um, right at the start so it is interesting and I feel like with the ones which may not have gone as as successfully you almost learn learn more from them you know with things that then haven't gone well to then be able to progress into your um, you know, future relationships.
2: I think because this might be our first time experiencing an intimate relationship when we're young I think we sometimes might ignore red flags and then what might happen is what Anna said that it might not end up well and that we need to choose well who we share the intimate moments with. So I really think what she said to choose well is uh, good advice.
3: I think it can be hard to know when you're choosing well, especially if you're, you know, experiencing love at a you know younger age, perhaps in your teenage years or at university, because... You probably think you are choosing well. You probably think you've met someone really nice and for a while they are really nice. And then, you know, when that relationship ends, it can be quite hard to take a step back and have to, you know, understand those horrible feelings and reassess where things went wrong. But when you get in touch with those feelings and understand, you know, perhaps you change your, you know, ambitions weren't in line with this person and actually it's better that you're not with them anymore it's empowering, it's fulfilling. And eventually you realise, you know, that whole concept of looking for your other half is nonsense, because you're not half, you're whole on your own. And anybody else who comes into your life is an addition to that. You don't need to search for someone to fulfil those voids, because they're not voids, you know, you're enough on your own, you don't need anybody else to influence you that way.
0: Exactly, really, I feel like if you're not 100 in yourself, yeah, you shouldn't be then relying on somebody else if you're at 40, say, let's say, to then top up that other 60. Yeah, I think like, you've got to, to work on yourself and be, as you say, comfortable in yourself and 100 in your own environment, in your own space, and then be able to search for love rather than looking for that love to then, as you say, complement you and, and fulfil you.
1: Trying out some of this advice might not be easy right away, and it's pretty personal. So let's do something different. How about we choose a piece of advice to keep in mind for the future. It's a bit like building our own toolkit for navigating relationships. Carolina, why don't you start? Yeah,
2: so one piece of advice I really liked is the first one, the season, reason and lifetime and realising that it's OK that not all our friendships are a lifetime. So I think this is the one I'll be taking as advice and incorporating it in my life. What do you think, Lucy? Which advice will you take into your own life?
3: Definitely, for me, it's uh, what Paul just said about searching for healthy love, because through films and books and, you know, just people in the media, the way we see love is often someone getting swept off their feet, someone living such a fast-paced, exciting, you know, romantic lifestyle. In reality, that's not what it is. And that sort of thing will become boring eventually. What you really need is healthy love, someone who cares for you, someone who respects you and wants the best for you. And, you know, from that, you're going to have the best experience of love imaginable, you know, and everything that comes on top of that is just going to be quite wonderful, I think.
0: Yeah, well, I think Emily's a piece of advice in terms of how no friendship is perfect and you know, recognising that those friendships might need some work and tackling those at source rather than let them, seeing them deteriorate over the years as the friendship then goes on.
1: Thank you, Carolina, Lucy and Craig for navigating us through relationships today. The advice has been invaluable to listen to and I hope this has helped you at home to find your very own ways for navigating relationships too. What a journey we are on with this series and we're almost at the end, but stick with us. Next week is our final episode and we'll be catching up with Julia, Annika, and James, our hosts from the very first episode of the series. They'll be listening to each other's audio diaries and sharing their experiences with the advice they tried out. And that's not all. We'll also be reflecting on how we found making this podcast, including being behind the scenes. Did our efforts to push ourselves, ask big questions, seek advice and try it in our own lives actually work? You'll find out all our thoughts on next week's episode of Navigating Now. You don't want to miss it.
3: Bye for now.
1: Navigating Now is a Max Creative production brought to you by the Duke of Edinburgh's Award with generous support from the Gosling Foundation and RSM. The original theme music is by Capt, a young person from our podcast group. And a huge thank you goes out to our podcast group, made up of 31 recent and current Duke of Edinburgh's Award participants. I've been your host, Elsie, and we've been Navigating Now.
0: We are all unique and the issues discussed may impact and affect everyone in different ways. The thoughts and guidance shared and discussed are suggestions and possible approaches and you should always do what feels safe and right for you. If you've been affected by the issues in this episode or want to find out more, please see the Duke of Edinburgh's Award website, dav.org, for some contacts and resources you may find useful. You can find the link to this in the show notes.